Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Greetings, salutations. Happy Tuesday to you. Another beautiful, crisp fall afternoon. Sunny skies, dry air. We're in the upper 60s. Nice one here at the end of September. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate. We're with you till 6 o'clock. Swap out Lauren for Evan at the midway point. I should be swapped. How do you do it, by the way? You're upbeat every day. Every day? Yeah, I've never seen you anything but upbeat. Well, thank you, sir. I, <laughs> Frankly, I haven't seen you down very much. <laughs> I'm just so thrilled to be here. Why would I ever? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. We're all kind of day-to-day, aren't we? I don't know. What are we going to talk about? I'll tell you a little bit. We'll talk some Illinois football. Robert Rosenthal. Yeah. going to check in with us today for his uh, normal Tuesday segment. But I segment. am constantly reminded what a great place this is to live. How would you like to live in Fort Myers? Most of the year, I wouldn't have, well, down the hatches. Yeah, it's a nice area, but yeah, an impending hurricane is uh, sending everybody scrambling. Uh, The least of concerns out there are football games that have to be played, but some of them are getting moved around. Yeah, Florida's moving to Sunday. Uh, South Carolina, South Carolina State's going to be playing Thursday. South Florida, I think they're just way their their classes are closed on Wednesday through Friday, but they might play Saturday if they can. Wake Forest at Florida State, that's a big game. Contingency plans there. Uh, North Carolina State at Clemson Saturday night, maybe I guess so. And uh, Boca Raton's going to host the USF. East Carolina game, South Florida, East Carolina. So they're moving. They're that, moving it. Moving it. Boca Raton is down by Miami, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, out of the middle of the state, but Tampa's bracing for, you know, it's the wind is one thing, but it's that water that comes in, mm-hmm. all that storm surge. Yep, I think I've heard ten feet or so. I was talking to somebody. I've t- heard as much as ten feet. Talking to somebody today who was a, is a former Florida resident said, "Oh yeah, we had four that we went through in this short such and such short period of time." Recalling his his history, it's just part of life down there. Yeah, not that you shouldn't take it seriously for those of you who are tuning in from Florida. Pay attention to the authorities. Evacuate if they tell you to. But there's a lot of folks, maybe too many, that also go, eh, it's just another hurricane. I don't know. I wouldn't want to have to go through it. No. We have the more uh, precise things in tornadoes around here. (laughs) (laughs) Once in a while. Once in a while. Um, Yeah, on the balance, not a bad place to live. But I, I wouldn't mind that beach, except for maybe this week. You you've never been a beach guy. You've never been a get to Florida guy. Oh no! In the winter. Oh no no. You've no. never said it's too. I've never heard you say it's too cold for my bones. I'm headed south or anything oh, like no, that. Oh no 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 no. I I uh, I like it here all the time. I have no business going anywhere else. All right. 
Well, then I'm glad you're staying here, at least for this hour. <laughs> Lauren Tate is with us, and you can join the program. Text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. If we've got uh, room for a call along the way, too, we can do that, 217-356-9397. So that's Robert Rosenthal this hour. Matt Stevens in next hour as well. A lot of football talk today. we got some other uh, college stuff. Of course, the home run watch for Aaron Judge, he's at uh, L.A. tonight, as he'll try and get over that mark. This would be game 140, 154. So do you? does it matter to you, Mr. Tate, if uh, he ties 61 after 154? As did, what, Maris did that, right? Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, yeah. The whole asterisks. Yeah. <laughs> asterisks. No more asterisks. Okay. 61 is 61 is 61, what you're saying. 61, 62, 60, 70 is 70. Okay. He might get it. I think once he gets it, then he could probably relax a little bit. Did you see the story about the guy, the young man that caught uh, the seventh home run by McGuire? It's, 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 it's significant because the seventh home run by Pujols, he said he didn't care if he got the ball, I guess. And, yeah. But um, I guess uh, the young man that caught the – McGuire's ball uh, said that he would be willing to give it back to McGuire if he could meet McGuire and maybe get a ticket to the game or whatever, you know, some minor thing. And, and McGuire said he didn't want to meet him. And so he just kept the ball. And a few days later, he sold it for $3 million. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, if you catch that, if you've got that 70th ball that, that Pujols hit, it's worth a lot of money. The 700th, yeah. And the first thing you want to do is what? Authenticate. Exactly. Well, the first thing that happens is there's about 10 security people that surround you and whisk you away. There's a whole plan for these things nowadays. You can't let any, let that ball get out of your sight. You've got to have a hold of it the whole time and make sure somebody sees you with a hold of it. Uh, a dated can... reference for some, but it's like Charlie of the Chocolate Factory, and he's got the golden ticket. Run, Charlie, or just run <laughs> straight home. And the whole time you're like, don't drop that thing. If you took it home, then nobody would ever know. No. You know, if you just put it in your pocket and took it home, and, and then you say, well, I got the ball. Oh, well, I know I got the ball. No, I got the ball. Okay. What would you do if, well, if, if a significant milestone like that if I had fell the ball, in your lap? If I had the ball, I would get as much money as I could for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, have you I'd seen rather, the stock market lately? I'd rather be rich than broke. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, you know, Albert's. Uh, a stand was balls are for the fans. They're they're souvenirs. They're meant so to be for the fans. So it was my to, He can afford to do that. Yeah. I mean, but I could not, also see somebody going, "Hey, can I have that ball? That's some. That's that's sort of the might one. wind. This person might wind up someday selling that to some. When if he gets a big enough offer, it's like the first guy, like the McGuire ball. I mean, he was willing to give it up. But after thinking about it and after somebody offered him $3 million, he said, now, which would I rather have, this ball in my hand or $3 million? That's a tough choice, isn't it? I have told the Lord a few times that if I catch a foul ball at a big league game, that I will give it to a kid. Well, that's fine. And I, a ball. Uh, yeah, and I, Any feel, ball, yeah. I feel that for, because of this attitude, I should get a foul ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no one ever comes my way. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I, I feel like this is – I just want the, the moment to catch it and then give it to somebody and be, that, be the, that guy that, oh, I gave it to a kid. Look how great he is. I'll never be able to understand why would a guy give somebody 
$3 million for a baseball. I don't care what it did, what that baseball did. It's just an inanimate object. Come on. It is not worth anything. It's just a baseball. But people pay millions for them. I think is that your, means that people got too much money. <laughs> now your typewriter is sitting in the museum, isn't it? Yeah, and I—I I mean, it's a valuable to somebody. No, not much. <laughs> <laughs> I not, gave it away. Not three million dollars. I—I—I <laughs> I think that that's cool that your your typewriter is sitting in the in the. Well, you know museum. that the typewriter was it was something we used once upon a time. I'm surprised you even know about it. I I had my grandmother made me learn on one. Do you know what that typewriter was? That was a portable typewriter given to me as a gift by the by some friends of mine in Hammond, Indiana, when I left there to come to Champaign in 1966. That's what that typewriter is. That's it. It does mean something to me because it was an important. Uh, but I I had no further use of it. I see. Well, when when you made a mistake is what I wanted, you know, what did, what was it like if you made a mistake on your typewriter? I made a million of them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they were correctable, but they're not as simple as it is now where you just, you know, well, no, delete I, it and no, do it again. I, no, I, I, I made an awful lot of mistakes. There's no, you know how I, I'm talking about typing mistakes. I understand. Now. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you just write it in. Okay. Right. And when you turn in copy, and then somebody else would redo well, it. Well, I mean, I'm turning copy on paper, and then they have to. Uh, at that time, we we uh, we had a system where we were using linotypes, you know, hot metal, mm-hmm. and so you know, I the problem then was with the linotype operator. He's the one that making mistakes. I mean, maybe I made a mistake or two, but he'd make ten in the course of a column. Yeah. Just transposing it or whatever. Well, just to make. I mean, it's it's difficult doing uh, doing uh, line by line in on a on a linotype. Well, this has been a fun little trip down memory lane. <laughs> How did we get there? I don't know. <laughs> hey, this is a big week for Big Ten football. One thing that I like: everybody's playing, and it's all conference games. Mm-hmm. They just it. I, I'm kind of I'm glad the non conferences in the that's what's going to be the rest of the way. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Illinois, of course, at Wisconsin. The line has shrunk a little bit since you and I talked I yesterday morning. I saw it go from nine point five to eight. What is it now? Um, the score that I, the the list of scores I just printed out minus seven. Okay, it's dropped another point. That means that a lot of people were waiting in with the idea that Illinois can, you know, can reduce the number. You know, that Illinois has got a chance. Mm-hmm. Michigan at Iowa. Michigan favored ten and a half. That's a big line for a defensive on a road. Team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, against a defensive team. I really like to watch that game. That is at the same time as Illinois and Wisconsin. It's gonna be hard to watch. <laughs> Purdue at Minnesota. Minnesota favored by twelve and a half. Ah, that's interesting. How how much are they given? And then Michigan State at Maryland, Maryland seven and a half. Northwestern at Penn State, Penn State by a million, actually twenty six and a half against Northwestern. No line Ohio State and Rutgers, and uh, Nebraska a little bit of a favorite at home against Indiana minus six. Okay, I was just read a big article about Lance Leipold. Buzz about him keeps growing. What is what's he saying? He's not well, he's not saying much, no. but just that he's believed to be a big favorite to be in at, at Kansas at Nebraska, and Matt Campbell has reportedly shown interest 
in the Nebraska job. Now, maybe that's an agent talking on Campbell's no, what behalf. I told you, if you're in the Big 12 and you get a chance to go to the Big 10, there's you're no right. question there. That we've seen a balance of power shift here, a tremendous shift. And I continue to wonder, and I brought it, I've brought it up several times, will UCLA be able to come into the Big 10 as they plan? Because the athletic director and the president want it, what if the Board of Regents for the, yeah. for the Cal system decide differently? What would happen? Would the Big Ten pivot and, and pluck somebody else? I think they would. Yes, I do. I th- and I Oregon, USC, a Washington. They would, take, they would probably take Stanford or Washington, yes. Maybe Oregon. Oregon, possible, yeah. All, all, any of those is possible. Any, we know Washington and Oregon have filled out the Big Ten about wanting to come. I, so, I assume Stanford has also. Yeah. All right, well, we'll talk some Illinois football in particular here as the Illini starts putting their sights on Wisconsin, Madison, Saturday morning at Camp Randall, 11 a.m. kickoff. Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com, going to join us next. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hi, I'm Joey Wright. Join me and Colin Likas in Muhammad this Friday as Muhammad Seymour hosts Quincy Notre Dame in the Light Rock 97.5 and News Gazette High School Football Game of the Week. It's on our sister station, 97.5, Friday at 6.45. Join us. So the general work in progress, uh, but this is going to be a great one, right? Um, so this is week five, rematch two. I mean, you know, last week when I got the question about playing an FCS opponent, I kind of Gave the answer that I, I I gave because this is the same thing, right? Um, we're playing a Big Ten opponent here, but it's really our second Big Ten opponent. It's uh, it's week week game five of our uh, twelve opportunities that we're guaranteed. It's a second rematch game of seven, so um, a lot on the table. But uh, uh, this game is about Illinois going to Wisconsin and playing on a road uh, environment in a Big Ten conference. Um, I don't believe we've won there since two thousand two. It was pointed out to me, so not an easy place to win at. Um, obviously, I know that more than anybody. Uh, and I think the, the flip side of it is our guys uh, really, since we got together last January, we've kind of said what's behind us is behind us. What's in front of us is what matters. And, and they've really yeah, taken good. that I approach all the way through till I left them yesterday afternoon. I expect this Saturday to be more of the same. Brett Bielma talking this week about why he feels Illinois is more prepared to face Wisconsin in what he's dubbed a rematch game. After how things went down last year, a loss at home, this time into the cavernous Camp Randall Stadium and the very loud facility as well up in Madison. Robert Rosenthal is publisher of IlliniBoard.com. He joins us now. Uh, Robert, my first question for you is, since you've moved permanently to Champaign here, how many? what's your record for consecutive days in town? I feel like maybe it's about <laughs> three, because every time I turn around, you're, you're on the road somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm still in Chicago. I uh, flew in here last night from my vacation, and my wife had a meeting in Chicago. So it's kind of pointless to go down and back up. So you're about to hear a nice siren through the streets of Chicago at this moment. I tried to pick a little quiet spot to go sit, and uh, I don't believe those exist. <laughs> it just uh, adds so, flavor. That adds flavor, yes. Yeah. So I'm headed back pa. to campaign tonight, but uh, my wife is in a meeting right now. Well, we're, we're glad you're joining us uh, re- re- remotely. Um, we were just remarking in the break how a win in football or a loss just carries I don't know about inside the locker room, but outside it can carry so much. And really, Illinois, they won in nice fashion over Chattanooga, 
uh, but it was an expected win. So I think the vibes of beating Virginia even seem to have rolled into this week, and that can all change to come Saturday. But do you feel like it's it, it, you're riding the crest of something in that regard? Absolutely. And, I mean, could there be two more opposite weeks, like you mentioned, than the loss at Indiana followed by the win against Virginia? Because everyone came out of that loss against Indiana saying, same old Illinois mistakes and the three turnovers and, you know, went for it from the one and got stuffed and, you know, all of the things that led to giving up a 75-yard drive to lose the game with 30 seconds left. And, you know, the fan base is down and this feels so familiar. And then one week later, you take a team you gave up 42 the year before and you hold them to three and everything flips around. So I think, I think the thing that's carrying all of this is no touchdowns at home. You know, it, I don't care who you play. It is very, very difficult to, to give up three points and six points and zero points in three home games. And I think that's what has carried the, the crest of this wave to, you know, what is really possible with this team. In this day and age, does it surprise you even more, uh, given how offensively oriented football is in general, not only at the pro level but at college? I mean, if it wasn't the Big Ten West, I'd say yes, but <laughs> the Big Ten West is just known for this. I mean, you know, if you even look at it right now, you know, some of the metrics have Illinois as like a top ten defense right now. Um, you know, even factoring in preseason numbers of what was expected, and as those preseason numbers fade away, this you know, the Illinois numbers are going to get better and better and better. So you could have three of the top ten defenses in the country, four of the top ten defenses in the country in the Big Ten West. It's just a different brand of football and a different way to approach the game. So, you know, this is definitely, you know, playing to what the conference gives you. It's like if you're in the if you're in the Big Twelve, you better have an explosive offense because, you know, you're gonna play a forty eight forty five game with Oklahoma State. Well, if you're in the Big Ten West, you better be ready to try to win thirteen to nine. Well, I'm gonna uh test you a little bit about the receivers for Illinois because uh, I think going into the season, it was a it was generally accepted that Illinois had the worst receiving core in the conference, maybe, or let's say one of the worst. And yeah. where do you think they stack up now? And the importance of that, because if you think Chase Brown's going to walk into Wisconsin and, and reel off a hundred yards easily, it ain't going to happen. It's going to be a right. tough challenge because they're going to their main goal is to stop him, which means Illinois to win that game, Illinois is going to have to put the ball in the air. I think. Yes, yes. I I believe I – th- I feel like Pat Bryant is the player that changes the picture for the offense yes. the most. Yeah. Because coming into the season, we talked, okay, you have Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington back. They were the number one and number two receivers last year. You know what you're going to get. Like you said, it's, you know, let's just say in the Big Ten West, it's probably between Illinois and Northwestern as to – who has the thinnest receiver room coming into this season? Well, I knew I knew Northwestern was thin when I saw Navarro. It was their number one receiver, right? Right. right. And so you know you, you do that if you do have a big play receiver threat in Pat Bryant. And again, it's a lot harder to do that against Wisconsin than it is against Chattanooga. But you know if you do have a guy who can have that kind of thing. I mean, look at every 
Look at every Bielma, Wisconsin offense. When they had that wide receiver that could open up the running game, it, it improved everything for them. So we, you knew what Isaiah Williams would be. You knew he'd be used in all different you know, angles and flips in the backfield and, and this kind of thing. You knew he'd be that slot receiver. You just didn't know if you had that outside receiver that could do something. And for Pat Bryant not only to be one of the three starters, but he's, pro- he's easily the number two receiver at this point. Um, you know, could make a press for the number one receiver by the by the end of the season. That does change the picture a lot. Um, you know, but again, like you said, whole lot harder to do this against the Wisconsin defense than it is to do this against Chattanooga. And how we stack up in the front? Do you think that the yeah. offensive line can give uh, Devito enough time? I feel like that's the biggest fear. If you could, you know, sit down with the staff right now and, and say, okay, what are you guys, what are you guys staying up at night thinking about? Um, it's probably a guy like Herbig on the outside, and uh, you know, we saw that Julian Pearl got beat a couple times by that Chattanooga defensive, three times actually, by that just kind of dusted on a pass rush, faked him outside, went inside of him, came in, kind of came in untouched on Devito. Uh, if that's going to happen against Chattanooga, Wisconsin has about six guys who can do that. So um, that's probably the biggest fear is all the twists and stunts and different things the Wisconsin defensive line is going to throw at what's still a pretty inexperienced offensive line playing next to each other. And, you know, is a guy like Isaiah Adams ready for that? Is a guy like Zy Chrysler ready for that? Is a guy like Jordan Slaughter ready for that? We just we just don't know yet. Talking with Robert Rosenthal of LineiBoard.com. You are a fan, uh, or appreciative is maybe a better word, of Bill Connolly, ESPN, and his SP Plus uh, metrics. Some of them are publicly made known. Some of them are behind paywalls. But I just uh, saw the win expectancy or probability for Wisconsin is 68%, according to his metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, does that uh, does that assuage anything for you, or 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 cast more doubt for you in your feel about this game? I would say that's about right where my brain is going into this game. I mean, look, there, there's a long road between where Illinois has been the last twenty years and confidently going on the road at Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, there has been. You know, there's a lot of good feelings right now, and Wisconsin just lost to Washington State at home, and they just got completely destroyed by Ohio State, showing that they're just not on the level they have been of late. And, you know, there's a lot moving in that direction. But, you know, if Illinois had like a 8-4 and four season last year, and this was year seven of Bielma, and things were really rolling, and there were good vibes all around. If you hear about a road game at Wisconsin, you're still thinking, we haven't won there in 20 years, and might not happen this year, you know. It's really, really tough to go into Camp Randall and win. So, um, I would say, you know, those those stats kind of hold to uh, what should be expected. You know, he will tell you, Bill Conley will tell you, like, 40%, 50% of what goes into those numbers right now is still preseason expectations. They don't just like, you you can't take a non-conference schedule and just put a bunch of numbers together and say, oh, Kansas is the fourth best team in the country. No, they're not. You have to balance it by what the history of the program has done and how talented the players are and what they've done in the past and everything else. So I I would say that sounds about right. You know, if this was a two-thirds chance 
Wisconsin wins and a one-third chance Illinois wins, that sounds about right to me because uh, it's just really hard to win on the road. It for sure is. Now, I'm curious for uh, both of you, in two weeks, or two Saturdays, that is, Iowa will be the opponent at Memorial Stadium. They have announced that as a Saturday night game. What difference do you think a win or a loss at Wisconsin would make in the appeal of that game for fans in attendance? We go crazy. I mean, at least 5,000, maybe 10,000 more people. If Illinois beats Wisconsin, there'll be a lot more people come to the Iowa game, mm-hmm. even though it's a night game, and that that affects a lot of people because nobody people don't like to get home at eleven o'clock. Yeah, but what do I, you think, Robert? Yeah, I had a friend ask me this morning, like, do you think it would sell out? And well, I'm a long way from that. I think you know, yeah, there's probably at this moment only I don't know thirty five thousand tickets sold, forty thousand tickets sold. You know, to get to sixty thousand six hundred, that's a that's a huge leap. But I do think it would be the highest attendance in several years if that were to happen. And uh, I mean, let's just it'd be the best atmosphere since mm. North Carolina in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Uh, in that in that lovey game that sold out when everybody was um, pretty hyped that the you know former Bears coach was in Champaign. So uh, yeah, it would it would definitely be. I mean, it might. Even with a close loss, it might be the best atmosphere. And, you know, I'm not ready to say that, you know, just a, a loss at Wisconsin, you know, if this is a 24-23 loss with a bad call at the end or something like that, um, you know, I, I think you'll still see some momentum toward night game, Iowa coming in, haven't been uh, beaten Iowa since, what, 2008? Um, you know, a chance to put an end to that streak, a good defense fa- facing a really – Terrific Iowa offense so far. It, it it would have the potential to be that kind of environment. I, I feel like that game, and I understand where I'm getting ahead of a game that's in front of us here, but I feel like, well, let me back up. I think the Wisconsin game is more about the opportunity than about what could be lost because mm, on the road, a loss to Wisconsin on balance isn't terrible if you don't get steamrolled. Well, it, it, it's expected all across the country. You wake a lot of people up. You put Illinois in a winning spot against Wisconsin, and that changes everything. I mean, don't you think that uh, nationally that would just uh, uplift Illinois tremendously in, 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 in just what, what people think about Illinois? Lauren, I'll go even further, and I hesitate to even say this out loud, but I can tell them about to do it. Um, if you beat if you beat Iowa, or I'm sorry, if you beat Wisconsin, you have that big crowd, and you do beat Iowa, you might be talking about game day in Champaign for what would then be a ranked Illinois team playing probably an undefeated top twelve Minnesota team. Mm. I mean, look, game day is probably never going to happen now that ESPN is going away. I mean, they do go to some sites that's broadcast by somebody else, but mm-hmm. almost all the time they go to a game that's going to be on ESPN or ABC. They've never been to Champaign, so it's this thing hanging out there. I mean, I I already hate myself for saying this out loud because it just means Illinois is going to go 0-2 in the next <laughs> two games. But if you had a 5-1 and Illinois and a 6-0 and Minnesota, two ranked teams in Champaign on homecoming, I really do think ESPN would consider that. So that's, I mean, that's what's in front of Illinois right now. You you have a defense that's allowed eight points a game. 
you're playing two offenses that might be off. You know, well, Iowa's obviously off, but the Wisconsin offense hasn't been what it has been. There's real opportunity here in these next two games to make a massive, massive statement. There is. And I, not that anybody wants a moral victory, so to speak, but if Illinois battles well, to Wisconsin, it would be a it would be a tough pill to swallow if it's a similar outcome like Indiana, <laughs> but that yeah. just still would would be uh, vastly different than than last year. I, I have a, te- a technical question though. Last year, the counter, that's what Wisconsin just lived off of in that twenty four nothing win, and I think it got yeah. to the point where Illinois knew they were going to run it, and they just wouldn't stop it. They couldn't. Is yeah. is there a level to which these two teams could exchange playbooks and it's still going to be a, you know, it's just about who can execute. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, if anybody knows the Paul Christ offense, it's, it's Brett Bielma. You know, you, you wonder how much of the game plan for this is coming from Ryan Walters and how much is coming from Bielma himself um, because he just knows his tendencies. He was his offensive coordinator forever. They, you know, came up on staffs together he, they know each other really, really well. Um, so yeah, it's 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 hard to you know. You're right. Every Wisconsin Illinois game, the last 20 years has been. Illinois knows what Wisconsin's going to do. Can Illinois stop what Wisconsin is about to do? And well, you got to win the one-on-one battles up front, yep. and there's going to be plenty of those. No, and yep. I think I don't so think they're up. Go ahead. I don't think our offensive line will win the, the battles up front necessarily, but I think the defensive line's got a chance. Yes, and that's that's the thing is, you know, if if you know, do Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, and Calvin Avery give Illinois its best opportunity to match up with Wisconsin in a long time and I think the answer is yes I mean that wasn't how Illinois won the game in 2019 that was you know get a few key turnovers and Jake Hansen stripped the ball and Tony Adams picked it off and set up the the winning field goal and and everything else if it's just a you know no turnover game and it goes head to head I think you're right I think it's which defensive line dominates the other team's offensive line the most by the way the new offensive coordinator is Bobby Engram Yes, true. Penn State, true. Wide receiver. Yes, yes. true. Although I, I mean, I'm so guilty of it. But any time there's an offensive coordinator, longtime offensive coordinator, who then, you know, just kind of cycles through different coordinators once he's the head coach, I always think it's still his offense. You know, I, I will forever look at this as the Paul Christ offense. And, you know, I know Christ isn't calling plays, but you know, he has such a heavy influence over what that offense is going to do. Yeah. Well, I just wondered if that made your stomach churn for either one of you going back to 1994. I, I was there, Scott. I was in the stands. I uh, It was a cold November night, November 12th of 1994. I had no shirt on. I had an N painted on my chest as part of I-L-L-I-N-I. I don't know why they chose me for the widest letter, but they did. Um, and uh, I sat there. Just a, a guy with his shirt off with a end painted on his chest for like 20 minutes after Brian Milne scored the touchdown with like 24 seconds left, uh, as dejected as I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I just had to bring that up 
for some reason. It's fine. I got memories for everything. Yeah, I know. All right, sir. Uh, travel home safe, uh, and then travel right, up safe, and we will see you Saturday. I'll see you up there in Wisconsin. All right. That is Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. We have more coming up here in the first hour of Sports Talk. Next hour, Evan's in. Also visit with Matt Stevens from IlliniGuys.com. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, a weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who has turned into his all-Big Ten preseason team, and that includes Terrence Shannon Jr. All right, Lauren. Yes. In Under the category of things, do we need to care? Should we care? An independent accountability resolution process hearing panel concluded that Memphis Tigers basketball coach Penny Hardaway did not violate NCAA rules when he provided benefits to three prospective student athletes because of his longstanding philanthropy in Memphis, according to a decision released today. The ruling uh, ruled that Memphis failed to monitor the education and activities of an athletic booster and etc cetera, etc cetera. the uh, tigers placed on 3 years probation fined $5000 $5000 boy that's an awful lot of money i don't know where i don't <laughs> know where like penny a, hardaway is going like to come a up with that today, isn't it? plus a quarter percent of their men's basketball budget and uh, four level 2 violations and five level 3 violations memphis cannot appeal under the ruling this is this new uh, the sort of governing but this is not committee. to be confused with LSU and and uh, Kansas and Louisville and uh, Arizona. Well, those are those very big, confusing cases, and they take years and years to five come to conclusion. Five years ago, yeah. when we found out about it, what was going to on. change college basketball. And they're all going to be coming up in the next <laughs> – I've said this before. It's, they're coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they have to, and then, then uh, that IARP group – is going to be drop uh, drop out completely. It's going to go back to the NCA again to handle these things. But you can't it. have five years. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's Can't, ridiculous. I mean, look how long Bruce Weber's hair is going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he stepped down again for, from Kansas State? He said, "I'm not cutting my hair till the NCAA rules on <laughs> on, on these on outstanding Kansas? case." Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if he's cut it or not. I haven't well, seen him lately. He's, he's going to get awful long. His school's football team is in a good position. It's kind of interesting to see uh, Kansas and Kansas State both pop up like this, although Kansas State's had good teams in the recent past, Yeah, particularly under Snyder. Well, I I kind of ribbed uh, Brad Underwood yesterday and just said, "Who's, who's got the best team in Kansas right now? And he paused and said, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. You've got to count for the Chiefs, too. Of course, this was right this after they the lost thing, to This is the thing that you worry about. I don't think – I'm not going to worry about it so much with Bielma, but if you've got a guy in at Kansas who suddenly turns it around, just imagine how difficult it's going to be to keep him. I mean, I – Particularly in the Big 12, which, which is, you know, already going to be a semi-minor conference with the two powerhouses leaving and the four that are coming in. Football, look, if if I'm an athletic director with a vacancy, I'm, I have already made a call to Leipold's people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it still marvels me. The guy's been there 18 months. Um, and, and, and 
past performance isn't always a predictor of future success. I, I'm not here to cast doubt on him. I'm just saying that's how quickly you have to move and put all your eggs into a basket of a coach. But well, if you can, you know, if you can do it at Kansas, if you can do it at Kansas, you can do it at Nebraska. And I think Illinois got the right guy between I do him too, and Lance Leipold. How but close he came to Iron Leipold. I think Illinois. I mean, just it looks like Illinois would have been in good shape if Leipold was here. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not saying he should have been. No. I'm, I'm, I'm just I, I, saying that's who I thought Illinois was going to hire. And although. I think Alvarez had a lot to do with this thing, at least in, in uh, alerting everyone yeah. to the possibility of, of Brett. And and um, I, I think he pushed maybe a little bit for him with Whitman. And But I don't know the circumstances entirely that Whitman went through. Well, I, I, Josh Whitman has now in a, a few circumstances maybe missed once but not twice kind of thing. And I, it, it shows that if it was indeed Brett Bielman and Lance Leipold as the final two, he was on target on, on who would be a, a good hire for a school like Illinois. Yep. So, and I, and I think Bielma just, he fits the puzzle uh, better at Illinois, maybe a little bit, but Leipold, it's fun to see him doing that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know just uh, what kind of talent he had there when he got there. I mean, that's amazing that he, that he could, uh, you know, it, it's just surprising. All right, we're back to transition in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. When you're at your job, when you're at the grocery store, when you're alone doing laundry, even when you're in the restroom, you're never alone. Because thanks to this cool app, we're there too. Take WDWS, WHMS, and WKIO with you anywhere with the all-new News Gazette app. Download for free and stay connected while near and far. You won't miss any of your favorite music, shows, or Illinois sports with the all-new News Gazette app. Join us following Saturday Sports Talk at 9 o'clock Illini game day on Saturday from Camp Randall Stadium, 11 o'clock kick, Illinois and Wisconsin, Big Ten football. Sports Talk, we are pushing up here on 5 o'clock. Next hour, Evans in. We're also going to visit with Matt Stevens from IlliniGuys.com. Tonight, Aaron Judge could make some history if he hits 61, his 61st home run this season. The more we talk about it, the more pressure is on him to hit it. And boy, does it get hard to hit a home run when that's all you want to do. <laughs> it is hard to do. Yep. Let's see. I, I think I said the Dodgers before. I, I'm, I'm mistaken. The, the Yankees are in Toronto. I think I got the blue part, but okay. the, the wrong team name. <laughs> uh, but that is a 6.07 first pitch as well uh, tonight. And that is uh, Jose Barrios is on the mound for the for – the, uh, by the way, did you see – for the Blue Jays, did you see uh, Michael Massey homer the other day as the Royals had an 11-run inning? They erased a nine-run deficit. Oh, boy. That usually doesn't happen in the major leagues, that kind of out- outburst. And the Cardinals, Lauren, with Miles Michaelis on the hill tonight, has have a chance to bring that magic number down to one. They're playing the Brewers. Yep, magic number's three. Seems inevitable, but – you take away two of those with every win against the second yeah. place team. You got six more games left with the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one's in the bag. Well, <laughs> I don't know about the postseason in terms of how well they'll play, but I think well, they've we, got the division wrapped up. It doesn't matter how you play going into the postseason; it's just yeah. how 
how, what kind of pitching do you get when you get in the postseason? Yep. Tomorrow, sir, we're likely to visit with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Okay. Look forward to doing that tomorrow, sir. Mm-hmm. All right, second hour on the way after the top of the hour news. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It is 5 o'clock.